Titan. <laughs> Welcome back, Tippy Taps. Here we the are. The challenge continues, Griff. The challenge, it never ends. Life never ends. The challenge never ends. The it's internet constantly... cannot stop talking about this. I mean, after all, the gauntlet that was thrown by Jack for the for his segment of you know the the debate of the Matt Houston episode. Yeah, oh. I mean, all the betting uh, websites are just like, who's going to win? They're just like, we don't know. It's up to I you guys. I didn't even know you could bet on our podcast. Yeah, but you can't like you can bet on anything, Griff. I there I was trying to bet on my baseball, and there was Golden Globus Theater. But you were talking about how uh, powerful Jack was. I think uh, uh, Phil held his own. I think I was worried that Jack wasn't going to show up for this next episode, but he did. Like the champion that he is, he did. See. I was scared because we know Matt Houston. He likes to get into his weaponry. He likes to get into his fighting style. That works right into Jack's corner. That's his happy his place. Wheelhouse, yeah. That's where he, and you'll hear it in that episode. You heard it in that episode. He was fucking calling out guns by their fucking spray and their. He's calling out guns by their first names. Guns so, by That's their how first well acquainted names. he was with the guns. Yeah. Oh, I don't use last names. We're not formal. <laughs> I know him by his nickname and everything. That name's Jimbo, that gun right exactly. there. Exactly. So it, it's hard to imagine how Phil was going to live up to it, but there he was, holding his own <clears throat> chin up the whole fucking time. Rocky Ford, just right. taking every blast. Every punch the to the face and it, smiling. You know, when you think about it, if we did a Mermadon breakdown, it really was. They just, they never defended themselves. They just blew Constant offense. You're right. Well, they, they don't. They didn't blow each other. Don't say that. But it was constant <laughs> offense. Barrages. Flurries. It was. It was a massacre. And so, just like last week's episode, it's going to happen in phases. Yes. You're of course going to get. Uh, we're doing Jack's episode. He deferred the kickoff. Mm-hmm. We're not going to have a kickoff again. Obviously. He, he, he's playing cleanup. That's right. So, uh, Phil's going to get his opportunity to talk about his. Like and dislike of this chosen episode. What is it called? The Jororo Kill? Jororo Kill. Right. And then... Full disclosure, we have recorded this episode. Right. None of you heard it because we had technical difficulties. A little bit of a technical difficulty. So... Uh, it's, and I say, bravo to Jack for doing it again. Some people could have said, no, I can't do it again. Right. It's too, it's, the wounds are too fresh. I right. can't talk about it again. He's like, I want. When I brought this to, I brought this, this competition to him. He's like, Jororo Kill. We're doing it. I want that. And I was like, thank you, because I already have the notes. That's right. So, as I was saying, we're going to open up. We're going to have Jack introducing us with, or uh, Phil introducing us with a like and a hate of this episode. And the rebuttal by Jack Badalier himself on what he, I mean, he gets to, to, to you know, uh, refute that claim. He gets to take the floor wherever he wants it. And then we go balls deep into this episode. Balls deep so murray introduce our contestants all right ladies and gentlemen our returning champion maybe not for long who knows it's up to you straight out of boston the only thing i like about the city of boston yeah that's true mr jack battler i'm doing, the jack? only thing i'm the only thing i like about the city of boston i don't blame <laughs> you not even the beans no, we don't talk about the beans here, okay? Good. We talk about the bean pot, okay? The bean pot, that's important. But okay, that, okay. 
I was disappointed. My trip to Boston I took many years ago. I love baseball. I wanted to talk to Boston people about baseball. None of you motherfuckers give a shit about the Red Sox or baseball. You're just like, yeah, baseball's cool. Who's you got to the, talk to the townies about it. The townies care. Okay. I was in the wrong part of townie, apparently. Clearly. Clearly. All right. <laughs> and now the upstart, the guy who's trying to get that crown. The man with the one-day week record for tippy taps. Yeah. That's, w- a, that's a proud challenge. I think he does. I mean, it would, if I haven't... Ch- I don't know the exact numbers, but Matford had a pretty good opening. Matford week, did so. have a really good opening. So, but hey, maybe we need to bring Matford into the, the fray after this, after the dust settles from this. Oh. But without further ado, the challenger, Mr. Phil DeGlass. Phil. Phil. It is just great to be back, and I'm excited about it. I have to admit, I think you, I, Jack did, did, did very well. Actually, when I listened to the episode, I was just trying to pick up, you know, how well I did, and my voice was trembling. <laughs> we heard it. We heard it. Yeah. And I was shaky. I was thrown off guard. I thought it was, it was just it the was DTs, tough. but it's, maybe. It's, no, no, it was like the first two rounds, Rocky Four. <laughs> I was laying on the ground, and, and I'm, lo- I'm looking forward fighting those 12 what was it 15 rounds yeah, 15, 15 rounds, rounds Phil, 15 rounds jeez Phil, yeah. i'm holding the towel and i ain't yeah. throwing it I'll we're throw not it right, Don't right. You, you, throw either, in, man. you either win or you die <laughs> all right That's okay. i mean i know when you're just on an episode with us me and murray we we we, we, we just nurture you yes we, we, do. we, we nurture you That's what we do. yeah and it's a lot easier, but this yeah. environment, the Thunderdome here. Doggy dogs. It's doggy dog. It was, all Rocky, all it, was, it was all Rocky three. I mean, it was like, you guys are keeping me, just making me fight the French champion, like burial ground, a Ginty episode. <laughs> and now, now I got to go against Clubber Lang. He didn't even warn me about this shit. I still have seen Rocky three. Wow. <laughs> My prediction, pain. Pain. <laughs> God damn! Well, we're starting this off spicy, which is what we need. Yeah, this is conflict. our con- this is conflict. All right, yeah, this is yeah. our crossover. This is what people love this is that's this is the guys' version of the housewife show. That's right, this the f- housewife I just, show. I'm gonna flip this table, right? If I if I if it wasn't such a pain in the ass to get this episode started, I would flip this table. That's right. But no, I'm not. Gonna <laughs> Murray, do you that. got a coaster there for you. <laughs> I know. I, my notes are flying everywhere. Uh, we got a nice fan. We need a breeze in here. Yeah, we do need a breeze. Airflow is important in everybody's life. Get airflow today. But. But. Part two part of two. the first ever Golden Globus Theater Tippy Tap crossover challenge. That's right. We've seen Matt Houston. Now we're going to talk about Thomas Magnum. Who is the superior mustache of the 80s? I, wow. Do we start it with Do we even start it with questions before we get into the debate? Why not? Is that fair? Hold on. Let, let's fair, pull. Guys? Let's pull both of them. Is this fair if we do like a little, a little? Who's better? I'm fine with that. Sure, Jack. do it. Yeah. Fire away, Please. Murray. Well, I just like the question I said. Best yeah. mustache, Thomas Magnum. Magnum. Wow, you're, you're supposed to fight for your guy. No, no, no. no the mu- no, the mustache isn't even close. Like, well, I mean, it's just, true, but you still. Yeah, need I, to I'll fight. lose. I will lose all credibility if I say it's he's Matt right. Houston's mustache. So when I go to my other, uh, when you go to the other topics, I'll have way more credibility with the list. Okay, I got a strategy. Okay. It is Magnum. It is Magnum. And I'm okay. assuming that yeah. Jax is Magnum. Okay. 
Okay. Uh, who has the better stable of women? Matt Houston. Yeah. I mean, he, he has yeah. them. He has like 15 secretaries. He has a yeah. mechanic who's a woman named Slim. He's got C. Well, see, I love the way that I love how Phil just teases us with more stuff we haven't seen yet. Slim, I'm intrigued. I know, I know. He knows how to tease. We don't. No, he does. He's got he's got CJ. 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 Women on Magnum are only ever guest, like like guest stars. That's really what it comes down to. You know, like Jack. Jack, man, I, listen. I mean, I was expecting this episode to be bikini-clad, Hawaiian beaches, <laughs> white sand. What do I get? What do I get? I get Tyne Daly with a cane. No offense. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, great we, actress. are we getting wow. ahead of ourselves? Are you <laughs> now? Oh, jeez. You're already getting into the are, No, I love it. But are we getting ahead of ourselves? Are you seeing? Is this what you hate? Because we're going to ask you what you liked and what uh, you hated the most. I know. We, no, he, uh, wow, he has more shit He's he going off the I fucking rails so here. Much. <laughs> we got to regain our rails. Murray, do we have another Hurdle. question between the two? Uh, I think we asked it on the last one, but I was, oh, best cars? Oh, come on. We know the best car. Yeah. This, this is the most <laughs> fuckable car on TV, according to. You know what? I, I I'm glad you brought that up because we, we, we all know. If, first of all, none of us are, are creeps. None of us would actually have sex with a car. <laughs> but if we had to, Jack right away was like the Ferrari. So I have to ask, uh, Phil. We've never gotten <laughs> Phil's. What if you had to fuck a famous car? I had to. You you enjoyed fucking cars. What famous car would you fuck? Oh my god, that'd be that's a tough one. It wouldn't be the Mystery Machine. No, yeah, of course, um, that's Gris' uh, awful answer. Yeah, that was right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it? That was mine. Was yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I must have stole that from an episode. <laughs> it's, it's like when you, you have that whole it's thing similar. where you think you're so uh, such a genius and you realize you're just aping everything from everyone else. <laughs> yes. We get that a lot. Um, yes. I don't know. I guess you can't say the General Lee because it's like super racist. <laughs> but, I mean, that wow. Is, and Some people have that kind of fancy, pretty, you know. No, it doesn't. Car. It doesn't have to be racist. Yeah. How about Kit? Let's go for Kit because there was a. Yeah. He can know, talk to you, Kit, yeah. Kit, Kit, and I always confuse the voice of Kit with uh, with uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the guy from Magnum? Higgins. Higgins. Yeah, he's I was already really... forgotten about you know this episode. Oh, yeah. the guy. Well, we never voice William. Oh, jeez, I'm losing my mind. But the guy who does Feeny. the voice. Feeny, yeah, he did. He did the. Uh, I always got them confused. Like, uh, what's his name? The guy we're talking about on this. He episode. actually was in town recently for the Motor City Comic Con. Ah. I did not go, but nobody he was, went. He was there. All right, Kit. We need to Kit. get to the. All right, that's a good answer. You know, I mean, I guess if you go that way, I mean, we're not that we're judging. I'm just saying, Kit is a ma- male car. That's all I'm saying. You can change the voice. I mean, there's programming. Okay. We know. We know. Jack's gonna say Magnus Ferrari. What is Phil? Did you just pull a Polly on me? Because remember, Polly changed yeah, the voice of the sex did. robot. Yeah, see, I also yeah. stole that from your episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just it was like three episodes. Story of our life, people. Don't worry about it. What were you gonna say, Griff? I was asking. Uh, we're we're assuming Jack's vehicle is gonna be Magnum. I am. Yeah, that's Ferrari's better. The Ferrari three hundred eight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Phil. We still, as far as I can remember, have not seen a Matt Houston car. Yeah, we did. We, we saw, saw that Rolls weird Royce jalopy, right? No, he had like a Rolls Royce or something. Oh, we did? Yeah, it was the Phaeton 4. Okay. 
But you uh, also Excal Excalibur, which is, you know, we know that's a cool name, Tim. Excalibur, <laughs> Fate and Four. Yeah, you know remember what I'm the fog. The queen is innocent. <laughs> um, you told us uh, Houston had fifteen cars. So, is there one car that sticks out, or cool. are you going with the Ferrari? Yeah. No, well, okay, so this is a bit of a trick, and I think this just shows this is a rigged game. It's a rigged game, because we had this conversation on the other episode, and I picked the Ferrari, if you remember. Oh, however, yeah, right. However, because we're having a debate, I'm going to say, yes, I agree, the Ferrari is better than the Phaeton, the Excalibur Phaeton 4, but Matt Houston has nine cars so it's more of an order. He owns all of them, by the way. Yeah, yes, it's more. Yeah. So Matt, freaking Magnum only has one car. I mean, Houston Which he doesn't own. It's Robin yeah. Well, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not even his car. Yeah, see, I don't so, even know that. I don't understand what's going on. I've only there, seen this There's one what? I think three <laughs> different primary cars on the Robin's Nest estate. There's the Ferrari. There is. Is it a Volvo? There's like a sedan. Um, and the, yeah, and then the, I think there's like a is there a Bronco? <laughs> I think there's like a third that's like a like a more utility type vehicle, but it's like like Robin one, Robin two, and Robin three. But I think the thing is we have to remember that like these '80s television shows, it, it's not about which car is best or whatever because you could always pull out just like a better car than the Ferrari. It's about iconicism like yeah that ferrari is a fucking iconic car if you showed that car to literally anyone over like the age of like 40 they'd be like oh yeah that's magnum pi's car just like the the black and red striped van was like the a-team van yes. you know or like you know anything like that you just pick it out oh yeah you know like the the bullet mustang you know the fastback it's so no one's like, oh, yeah, that's like the iconic Matt Houston automobile. Well, I mean, he's got a whole bunch of them, but like none of them are going to stick out as like a cultural touch point. Um, but of course, I mean, also Magnum P.I. just ran for so many more episodes. Than that's true. Matt Houston uh, did. It like and it, it was like a show where like, you know, every episode there was the Ferrari. Every episode yes. had TC's Chopper. You know, so like it's just you saw it all the time. Like it's just as famous as Kit. It's just as famous as the A Team van. It's you know anyone of a certain age is gonna be like, oh yeah, I know exactly what car you're talking. About. That begs the question though: who has the more iconic chopper? There we go. I'm saying Houston. You like Houston uh, chopper? Yeah, it's because cool. that Hughes that Hughes 300. That thing's a piece of shit. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you're saying, because also I want to point out, Houston does own his own chopper. Magnum does have to. Is it TC's chopper? Yeah. Magnum with Hopper's chopper. Okay. Phil, are you going with Houston's chopper? Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, he owns it. It's. Uh, I don't know what. I don't know the model of the the, the chopper, but it's it's. <laughs> Cool. Give me the serial number. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Jeez, what's the pin number on that thing? Now, I feel like all these questions have been very easy. We have yeah. one surprise there, and I want to get into something that gets a little more under the skin here. Right. 
You have two different kind of right hand foily type hench kind of. I don't know what Do to you? call them. Who are you? CJ and Higgins? If you're stuck there? with one of these two, CJ or Higgins, who are you taking? You have to live with oh, them. Oh, shit. Wow. You <laughs> have to live with them? You have to live with them. I mean, I'm trying to put you in the Higgins situation. It seems like, from what I could tell, CJ basically lives with Houston. She basically does, but remember, she she's probably a lesbian. They never, yeah, no, they never hit I, it no this is not supposed to be about well, which one you would want answer. to have sex with. It's uh, you're okay. you're doing your business day, living life with this person Whoa. around you. I mean, CJ knows computers. Oh, CJ, no, no question, CJ. Come on, you're the, okay. I think it's Higgins. Wow, there we go. See, we, we have to disagree. Higgins is really like again. I don't know much about Magnum PI. I sort of it was on the outside looking in during the '80s, and I do know at the at Higgins uh, was it John Hillerman? Is that is that the actor? Yeah, again, right? Yeah, that he is his character is pretty iconic. He's American, I, isn't he? In real life, he's he's from Texas. Okay, so he's yeah. got the Texas connection. He actually picked up his accent from what Lawrence Olivier. Like he was trying to you know, mimic that that's how he got his Higgins voice or whatever. But he has a Texas draw in all of his movies and everything. He could have there, talked to and Matt. <laughs> there's actually a couple episodes where Higgins plays his own half brother or Jonathan Hillerman plays oh Higgins's half brother who is a Texan cowboy. That's gonna be a future that. episode. Yeah, please people. make that a future episode, Jack. It's I want that. Fucking amazing. I want it's that. Amazing. I can imagine him without the British accent. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's a, right. I, you say he's another character, so he's like in dress and everything. Oh yeah, no, he's dressed, and it, and it's really hilarious because when Magnum first sees it, he just starts laughing because he thinks Higgins is going to like you know like a costume party or something, yeah. and the guy has no idea who the fuck Magnum is, so he's. Uh, why are you laughing at me? It, like, it's just, oh God, I'm, I'm laughing just thinking about the episode itself. So yes, we, but uh, oh no, I would much Higgins is just Higgins a is a fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, but like, he's so, but he's interesting. You he know? He's interesting, yeah. but he's insufferable. Like that's yeah, the whole that's point. Is he's okay. this insufferable pain in the ass? I would never want to like be under that guy's thumb for a day never mind live with him do they wait do they kind of like each other at some point so it, some... it's we we've debated this with a couple of episodes we've done they have this sort of mutual respect but they just irritate the shit out of each other because higgins hates magnum's lifestyle magnum hates how insufferably anal retentive and controlling Higgins is and how he has to like lord his authority over the estate over Magnum all the time. Mm. But there's like every few episodes, something will come up where, cause Magnum's a bum and he bums help off and favors off of everyone where Magnum is like Higgins stop the feud, you know, basically like wave the white flag I need your fucking help right now. This isn't bullshit. This isn't a grift. I need you to do something for me. And Higgins will kind of sputter a little bit, but then like he'll recognize it because he does respect 
Magnum's military career, and he respects uh, the brotherhood of like TC and Magnum, uh, and uh, geez, why am I suddenly for and Rick? Rick. Right, like yeah. he he respects that brotherhood. So like there in the TC episode we did um, when basically Magnum was like. I will leave. I will leave Robin's Nest. I will quit. I will pack my stuff and go. I need you to figure out this ship. I need you to develop these photos right now because TC's life is on the line. And, you know, Higgins is like, okay, I will do this for you. And he, he reneges on Magnum leaving. But so, so there are times when the two of them respect each other. But yeah, they hate living together. <laughs> Phil, does that make you change your answer? It's uh, tough. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. It, let me ask one more question. Higgins is Robin Masters, right? No. No. Oh, no. Okay. That that gets floated around a I lot. Was, I thought that's what they said at the last episode. They reviewed again. I don't know much, but I just remember when the last episode happened. It was like a big deal. Yeah. But yeah. I think that was something they tried, but like if you watch it, there's like no it makes no sense, right? It makes no yeah. sense yeah. whatsoever. Yeah, yeah because um, there's some people on the show who've met Robin Masters. Yeah, they, that's the like thing. Like yeah. plenty of people like yeah. know him face to face. So it's like it's absurd the idea that Higgins is Robin. Like it's yeah. Hey, has, has Magnum ever met Robin Masters? You assume he has. Okay. Um, I mean, maybe I I don't recall like every single episode. It would be kind of like, weird if you're gonna move into a guy's house you never met. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I I don't recall anything defining the fact that he doesn't or does. But I mean, uh, the episode with Angela Lansbury, like clearly, there's like the one of the women who's there is a close personal friend. I think she's Robin Masters' editor. So like yeah. like yeah. like plenty of people come and go who've mm-hmm. met Robin who then meet Higgins. So there's no way canonically that it makes any sense that Robin is actually Higgins. Okay, I'll, so, I'll change. I'll change my answer. I, I'll change. I'll go for uh, Murray. You're going for CJ as well. Wait. Oh, no, you're going I'm, for I'm, Murray. I'm going for Murray. Murray on Matt Houston. Yeah, no, yeah. I thought I thought our offices were CJ and Higgins, but it was. Murray got it was. But I don't, I don't, I'm not going to let you lead me into this trap. Oh, fucking Christ. Okay, yeah. we've got some deviancy yeah. happening wow. here. We wow. love deviants. But we guess. have to go to phase two before we get into this episode because we're already we're getting <laughs> some places here. At least we're on the back half. Um, So we get to open up. We get Phil... You get to tell us a like and dislike about this episode, Geraro Kill of Magnum P.I. What did you like and dislike? All right, if I can break uh, kayfabe for a second. <laughs> this is a really good episode of television. Now I'm back to trashing it. So, um, yeah, I have to say that uh, what I liked about it, what I like about Magnum in general, is that he inspired names of two professional wrestlers that's what i like about it okay now, do you know who they are well we know there's magnum ta yeah yes. what's the other one um I have no idea. yeah i don't know lex luger 
What? Oh, that's yeah. right. Because it's a gun. Last name is a gun. Yeah. And he, that's basically there said, uh, you know, he said, Larry Fole, I guess is his real name, said, you know, if he can be popular, I'll be, he's a Magnum, I'll be a Luger. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Very yeah. cool. But I really liked, I love that about Magnum. He's kind of iconic, you know, people want to be him. Uh, he lives in Hawaii. It's, he's relatable. Uh, That's what I like about Magnum. He's relatable. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I can relate more to him than Matt Houston yeah. because I'm broke just like Magnum. And, he, and like, he wears the Detroit Tigers hat. So exactly. Yeah. Like that. But I think the character was supposed to be originally written, and Jack probably knows this, but as like a James Bond type character in Hawaii. And it was actually Tom Selleck that said he wanted him to be more of an everyman and, and no. sort of toned, toned him down. Okay, so what do you hate about it? You can just do this episode. You can pick out one uh, thing. Yeah, the, the thing I always... The, the thing that always kept me away from Matt... Uh, Matt Hughes, from Magnum P.I. <laughs> I got confused. Is that I just thought it was too sophisticated for a, a dummy like me. <laughs> it was just, <laughs> it was just really? too high, Yeah, it was too highbrow. Like, yes, yes. It, I mean, look, I love Matt Hughes, <laughs> so don't... Don't think I'm lying, <laughs> but uh, there's something always about it that I thought that he was maybe a little too cocky, is a little too, um, you know, just in the storylines were a little too sophisticated. I have to say, even watching this episode, the Jororo Kill, I, I watched it three times. So I watched it just once, and then I watched the note with, to take notes, which you see my notes are ridiculous. <laughs> so and then the, I watch it one more time, and the third time I realized things. Like why he did things, but it took me three times. There's certain things in this episode. I'm like, why is he doing that? And it's just, it's just, it's just high minded. For for just a just. I a, never thought I would hear that. A, bum, yeah. a bumpkin, a bumpkin like me. All right. From, from out in Frederick, Maryland. Jack, I, I don't know what you're going to do to rebut that, but the four <laughs> I agree with everything you said. Yeah, yeah take, take that, Jack. Wow. <laughs> This so, is why Jack's the champ. Yeah, I would, I would, I would say that I'm not going to disagree with Phil. I mean, I don't know enough about Matt Houston the show, but the thing is, one of the reasons why I love Magnum so much, especially as a novelist who is focused on this kind of time period as a touchstone, um, is the fact that it does. It, there are a lot of very complicated relationships in the show. I mean, yeah, Magnum, TC, Rick, Higgins, uh, and a lot of the stuff that ties back to their history in the military. Many, many episodes have a Vietnam callback. Um, and a lot of like history will sometimes play into it. Like there's the Nazi hunting episode, which is a great episode, actually. Um and then they they deal with a lot of stuff like you know uh, child trafficking, drug abuse, like just I, I think stuff, that yeah. there are some you know like light, Mitchell, fluffy stuff. episodes, but some of the others get really dark um, and really serious and very emotional. So I think there is a lot of meat to it, and there is a lot of stuff to unpack. And I I mean again. I'm not trying to contrast that to Matt Houston, but like it is a sort of, I don't want to use the term sophisticated show, but there's a lot of 
interconnected character relationships that play into every episode. And I think that it's the sort of show where if you are jumping into it cold like this, um, and you don't understand kind of the dynamics of some of the characters, like the idea of how Magnum is this sort of bum who sort of mooches off of all of his friends and he under like uh, Mick Reynolds, you know, the way he gets Mac to do all this stuff for him. And the, uh, the interchange that go on between Rick and Mac in this episode, like if you didn't, if you've never watched an episode of this, you'd have no idea who Mac is. You have no idea like what Rick is doing to manipulate Mac in that particular scene. So I, I do think that, I wouldn't call it high-minded, but I think it is one of those shows that's not... That the relationships lend itself to you not just uh, parachuting in on some random episode and kind of yeah. rocking everything that goes on. You, you na- I think you nailed it, because I was trying to figure all that out, you know, and, and your brain is moving in that wavelength, and it was just really, you know, then you're also trying to follow the plot and how this guy, you know, the, what's actually happening with this assassin and how he's manipulating... Um, the Kate character and all that. So yeah, it was kind of. That's why I think it's hard to. It was kind of hard to follow. You kind of have to see it from day one. Like Matt Houston, you just jump into it and you can kind of figure things out. Bottle episodes. B- bottle episodes. But the guy who plays Mac. I know we're off track here. I was like, who is that guy? I've seen him somewhere before, and I figured it out this morning. <laughs> <laughs> and do you remember? Croft superstars, Sid and Marty Croft. Are you guys yeah, too young for that? I show? remember that. Okay. I, Gris, uh, way too young for that. There was they a sound show. familiar, though. It was like a there 70s, a, 70s kid a, show. He was, this guy, Mags, as John, I think his name's like John McKay, the actor, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he played on this show called Dr. Shrinker. Dr. Shrinker. Yeah. Dr. Shrinker. And, and He's a madman with an evil yeah. mind. Yes, and, and you must have hated that show, Tim, because it's all about midgets. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, wow. I was on I was on Dr. Shrinker's side because he would try to crush them. But... Well, well, Billy Barty was his side. Oh, that's right. Billy I haven't seen Barty. those shows in like 45 years. These are all but, names yeah. I've heard in media across but, but the Matt, years, but I don't guy, know. Yeah, John Mac- McKay, was, uh, he was a quote-unquote teenager who was getting shrunk. He was one of the... the stars of that show he was a lot younger but yeah yeah i'm just looking at it right now he was on that for 16 episodes he did a show called the croft super super show yeah. which is apparently is a segment of that then he was on black sheep squadron for 36 episodes oh. uh he does 22 episodes of tales of the gold monkey which i remember oh, vaguely I that. that show i yeah i remember um, being on I never watched it Rangers yep. Lost it. yep. And then he was 22 episodes of Magnum P.I. So, just and I guess he was on JAG as well. Go figure. Jesus. He loves naval intelligence. (laughs) Who doesn't, really? All right, everybody. We got an episode to cover here, so we'll jump right into it. We're in the south of France 48 hours ago, according to the prompt on the screen. Right. That's my narrating voice, I guess. And we see a nun pulling up in an j- old jalopy. Not a Ferrari. This is the least fuckable car I've ever yeah. seen. Which is fitting for a nun, because you don't want to have sex with a Houston nun. Houston would never drive this car. Magnum no. wouldn't be seen close to this car. Stops in front of, is like an embassy or something? I don't remember. Yeah, yeah, it's an embassy of some sort. And uh, the guy's like, the guard's like, you need to get this piece of shit out of here. Yeah. 
Well, and, there's a flat tire. I don't know what to do with they're it. They're in France, Griff. <laughs> that was fun. Italian? <laughs> oh, is that Italian? What's France? How do us English idiots do France again? Je... Oh, no, it's my tires. <laughs> so she's like, well, can you help me with my flat? And he's like, women. So he's like, all right. And he starts working on that. The nun disappears. Yeah, hides behind a building like a fucking cartoon character and then pulls out a fucking remote control and skeeving and you're like, what the fuck's going on here? And we see a man of some kind of status Coming out of the out. embassy. His car pulls up right next to her car and he's going to get into that car. No. And, car's oh. driving. Yeah, they're just I think it's just driving by. Oh, is it just driving by? And oh, then God. the car that the the nun came in on blows up. Yeah. And does it I don't remember, does it affect the, the other car? Yeah, it basically it's oh. a it's a, it was actually a common tactic that got used by the insurgency in uh Iraq and Afghanistan where you basically use it as a vehicle borne IED oh. and you uh build your explosive charge in such a way that it's a directed explosive. I mean I'm just extrapolating here, but that's what you would do is that you would plant the bomb in the car in such a way that it directs the force of the blast into the car that you are expecting to go by. Right. Um, no, this I makes think, yeah. sense. I think there was a sort of a callback to the IRA tactics because as we learned, this guy was yeah. part of MI6 in Northern Ireland and all that. Yeah. Shit. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but that's. Can I ask you guys a question real quick about this nun? Yeah, <laughs> she's she's wearing a wedding ring. Like, well, the, there's a lot to there's a lot underneath the surface of this. Yeah, nun. But, oh, wearing. you know what? I I'm looking at it right now. They all, yes, there's... They, you know, they all wear rings though, because they're the brides of Jesus. So all nuns wear rings. <laughs> oh my I'm, God. Not, I'm not joking. That's true. Wait, are you? They wear. You, when you're a nun, you marry Jesus in in in, in, a, in a way, and they wear they do wear wedding wings. Uh, That's true. So, so Fuck. yeah. So there you go. Nothing. Nothing you learn. Was all your fucking life invested in satanic music? You somehow <laughs> learned about the but side? I, my family's cat. Oh my god, no. He's oh. actually, he is absolutely right. Yes. Nuns take a vow of poverty, which is why they wear their wedding rings. The ring is a sign of their commitment to God and the church. Yeah. I'm, I'm just uh, reading some shit off the internet here. But yeah, but yeah apparently... Everyone's shocked they know something. It's <laughs> Wait, wait. That's my lot that, in life. <laughs> that's crazy because I, I noticed that he was only, or she was, she was only wearing Jeez. the ring whenever uh, she was a nun or he was a That's nun. how committed this character that, that, is. That's Good. fucking yeah. detail. Like, yeah. Actually, that's, that's pretty that, amazing. I, I, thought, I thought that was a, a goof and it was I, not. You know what? This, See, look at that. Eagle-eyed fucking Phil. Yeah, what this bails Phil out completely with his whole like childhood obsession with Mad Houston. It's yeah. like, yeah, uh, Magnum P.I. definitely was more detailed. Slow, you know, like you got to really understand these fucking things in life. But not only that, guys, there's more to this, this nun than just a wedding ring. There's a cock ring. Involved, it's a transformer because it's a man, baby. And I want to say, the first time I watched this episode, I thought it was a woman. So great job by this actor. Yes, no, this actor did a great job. I'm well, pretty he, sure they dubbed actually, in the voice. He's they uh, dubbed Chris, the voice, didn't they? It's Christopher more. Morley is almost a professional crossdresser. Yes. Well, yeah. Like well, I can see he, why. Yeah. He made a like a. 
specialty out of his career in cross-dressing roles. So they picked someone who's perfect for this. I love it. Chris Morley was great because he was actually on um, General Hospital. And if you remember, and again, old man speak, Luke and Laura, Anthony Geary, which I think you guys did penitentiary, so you probably... Yes, we did do penitentiary yeah. three. Yeah, three yeah, with so Luke, Luke and Laura was like the biggest, hottest thing on TV in the late 70s, or like 1980. Christopher Morley had a part on that as a woman who was like trying to get in between Amazing. Uh, Luke and Laura, and then they find out that it's a man. So this stuff mm-hmm. was... This was interesting. This guy I never, like, yeah, he's a pro. I never thought we were going to fucking segue into soap operas <laughs> on this yeah. show. And here we are. I think I've heard Luke and Laura come up in indie music as well. Okay, yeah, it was a big deal. He's right. Yeah. 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 I think I, I, had, I think the, their marriage got like Super Bowl numbers. It was like crazy with that episode. Yeah. I, I really I, do I, feel like I've heard that. Think of Laura. <laughs> Baby, don't cry. I know. That's it. That's the song. <laughs> he knows it. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. That, that was uh, <laughs> Beautiful voice, Jack. I didn't know that. But yeah, so yeah, that's not a non. It's not even a woman. Phil, it's, a, not me. <laughs> it's an assassin. <laughs> I love how like it's so obvious, but Jack doesn't want to be anywhere completely disassociating. Like, yeah. yeah, I no, love the tactics. I love the tactics our Thunderdome contestants are using yes. here. They're just trying to use their subterfuge to get under Every the Every other oh, guest so that are listening, take notes. Take notes. Because someone challenges you. Yeah, you're, of, all of our guests are going to be in the pit at some point. Yeah. The Thunderdome. Eventually. The Thunder Pit? Well, nope. One of them is going to wind up in the pit, the acid <laughs> I pit. I can't wait. I'm going to do a human cannibal on that thing. All right, yeah. That's the best way to go. Yeah. So, yes, the nun is actually an assassin. Now we've got Magnum. We're cutting over to him. He's attempting to snag a bottle of Higgins' finest wine because, of course, uh, uh, Robin Masters has, like, you know, a wine perfect cellar, wine course. cellar. No laser disc in this wine cellar for some no, reason. No, no. That's a perfect it's place just, to keep your yeah. laser disc collection. Uh, because Magnum probably some sexy steward is coming into town, so Magnum's got to get some wine for her, you know. You could pick anything off the shelf, and anybody's going to be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't care. Does it taste like grapes? But he's trying to impress this lady. This, he, this isn't Bo from Matt Houston, who's never tasted wine in his life. This woman is tasting the wine. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this, this is the exact opposite of Magnum. Like, this is... <laughs> Matt Houston's for morons. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's why I love it. That's so, the whole point of this episode. <laughs> there's a little padlock. It's like the kind of locks you put on your luggage. That's like yeah. locking these these uh, wine bottles up. Of so course. Magnum just whips out his little uh, block pick, puts it in, immediately pops open. Of course, snags a bottle, and then an alarm goes off because Higgins knows that. Yeah, he's gonna try this shit. I I don't remember. Was this like an intercom thing or something? But there is tear gas, tear gas being nerve gas is threatened. Oh, nerve gas. Yes. Well, he calls it nerve gas. Yeah. Magnum's like, are you gonna release nerve gas? He's like, tear gas, my boy. But I didn't think that you would respond well to that. Oh, okay. And and he's like, you know that bottle you took is five thousand dollars, and you probably made it bottle sick. 
Oh, and he's like, $5,000? You know how many short shorts I can buy with that? <laughs> Is this the scene where he's sitting on the staircase with those short shorts oh, riding yeah. up so fucking far? You know yeah. he's got a boner tucked under his waistband? <laughs> yes. <And> wow. <laughs> wow. We've been talking a lot about boners tucked under waistbands. I'm sorry. Yeah. Does, does, Somebody does listen have, to that. Does, does, does Magnum P.I. have like a tailor that... Because his stuff is so fucking form-fitting for, like, did, loose island clothes. Like, it's, yeah. it, tucks, it tucks in perfectly to his, like, Ocean Pacific short, like, corduroy shorts. That he's I'm holding. glad you That's asked where all that where his money question. goes. That's why he's always broke. I actually, for all my summer shorts, I say, and I go to my tailor, and I say, I want the Selic. And that is a specific <laughs> inseam. Yeah. You know, you have six yeah. inch, seven, eight, and then the Selic. You can't talk about what number that is. I've tried to measure it, and the tape measure actually blows up in your hand. <laughs> so, uh, Higgins, Higgins informs Magnum that, that Kate's coming to town? I yeah, guess. He got a call. Yeah, he got a call from a Kate, and he had to Magnum. First, you have to have the wife. According to Phil, oh. the least sexiest woman who ever appeared on TV, Tyne Daly. Was she, so, she was Lacey, right, of Cagney and Lacey? Oh, yeah, she was Lacey, yeah. Yeah, but where they what was that show? I was like, what was that about? It's like a cop show. They're, they're two yeah. women police officers. I think they're two female detectives. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because she would like win an Emmy like every year for that show, I believe. Well, in this episode, she's a super journalist. Oh, so yeah. this is kind of a crossover too. And in she itself. was injured in the line of duty, and she knows Magnum from the old Vietnam days. She was like a reporter embedded in the yeah, like Jack was talking about. We get like these old throwbacks to Vietnam and everything, and she was a reporter in there, war reporter. That's a fucking tough line of work. Almost as tough as being a soldier. I mean, you're still getting shot at and everything, yeah. and you have to report on it, and you have to see all the people. And die. I want to say, Tyne Daly selling the fucking leg injury like a yeah. pro. Oh my all god, all club footed looking. She's selling it like a. She's going freak. full Ron Garvin fireball to the face. She's got the fucking various bandages on. She's got the fucking uh, cane. She knows what she's, she's selling doing. It, I understand. You said she won awards. I get it. Yeah. She's fucking killing it. And do do they meet up at Rick's place? They meet yeah. up at like. Oh, did they met up? I thought they met up at some outdoor bar. Well, that's that's the oh, was Kamehameha. Kamehameha Club has that. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And so T uh, TC's there, Rick's there, and they're like just going over old times, you right. know. It's all laughing. Falling. Rick's like, I remember you calling me babyface. I'm a total hatchet face. What are you talking about? That's right. That's where our episode skipped and went backwards for a minute, and we yeah. had to watch that scene twice. And so uh, they're, uh, they're talking, reminiscing, and then Magnum shows up. You know why we know Magnum shows up? Because the place goes silent. It's all about that inseam. <laughs> so it turns out somebody has come to whatever part of Hawaii they're on. Right. Cause she's, cause, because apparently because she can't walk, she gets the shitty like jobs now. Like, you know, the fluff pieces. Right. They're talking just... with like... Uh, Elizabeth Taylor's dog interviewing her. You know, like, I want to do journalism. Do you think that would make her, like, more of a dog in the journalism world? Like, man, you should be interviewing some of these, like, crazy characters and everything. You have a lot of stories to tell, too. They would probably communicate with you. And they're like, no, uh, Pam Anderson got a boob job. Why don't you go talk to her left implant? Yeah. 
And, Wrong era. Uh, I'm sorry, the, but... uh president of the Jororo Islands, uh, George Santos, is in town. <laughs> Wait, George Santos? Yeah. <laughs> Oscar. And it, is she supposed to be doing like a fluff piece with him? Just talk about his favorite color. If he was a tree, what tree would he be? Like that kind of shit. Don't... What car would he fuck? You know, that you know, <laughs> shit. I want to bring up. The first time we tried to record this episode, George Santos wasn't a name we recognized. Exactly. And now we're doing this, and George Santos is a name most people recognize. Yeah. That George Santos. So what you're saying is we made George Santos a star? Is that what you're saying somehow? Well, he works under many aliases. Ali? Wait, what is the plural? He he was known to dress in drag as well. And that's... He's the Jororo killer. Oh, (laughs) shit. So everybody's just like swooning over Kate. They all love her, but Magum's like, you know, let's go talk on the beach. What is going on? I know Bannister's on this island. Are you looking for Bannister? It's got something to do with Bannister. Yes, because Bannister, who we don't know this at the time. Should we spill the beans? Who Bannister is? Because we know who Bannister is. It's Jack's episode. Jack, are we spilling these beans? Whatever beans you like. Let them fly. Beans are meant to be spilled. I know, because I'm from Boston, and we talked about the beans <laughs> five minutes ago. When you're not talking about the cream pies, you're talking about the beans. I so. was just like, I'm glad Jack didn't bring up the beans, and then he brought up the beans. <laughs> so she wants to talk <clears throat> to this guy. He's a strategist. She thinks he's a strategist for MI6. Correct. And uh, he's got some information. Well, he's she's, gonna... she's like, she's looking for real hard journalism. She's here for the Santos interview, but she really has, she really wants to get in with this Bannister guy. Exactly. She's here under the guise of talking to the Santos, but she's really trying to get closer to Bannister. <clears throat> she's like, I need your connections because he's, because we've got to remember Magnum is an, on, on naval intelligence officers. So he has connections everywhere. That's right. You know, she needs those. So he's like, I'll see what I can do. I'll talk to Mac. This guy, this schlub I use there. He's my simp. I use him every fucking time. All right, now cut to Bannister arriving in Hawaii disguised as a female police officer. This guy didn't describe... And get this, not wearing a wedding ring. This chick is hot to trot. Yeah, she, so she looked... She's, was she a police? Is that what she was supposed to be? I don't know. I'm going by year yeah, old she, notes. <laughs> she, yeah, sorry. She looks, she looks like one of the Andrews sisters. Like she looks like nobody knows that reference. See, I got I got to update my references. Sorry. Look well, up the we, Andrews sisters and you'll know. The guy at custom goes anything to declare. She does the old joke, diarrhea, and they just breaks the ice. They start laughing. <laughs> just like that. Love. Yes, love. I will only be here for on travel and and I, 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 I uh, tried to point out earlier, the voice, though, is dubbed, right? There's no way this is the guy doing the voice. It sounds too feminine. Yeah. Sure. All right. But, We're going over to what we really want to see as the audience. Magnum P.I. swimming. Just those short shorts, chest hair. Fucking man pelts. the ocean. Oh. And while he's doing a little narration... Yeah, I forget what he was narrating here. Just telling us about how, hey, man, you know, cases come in, cases go, money comes, money goes, women come, women go. That's poetry. It's the same fucking, you know, send-off with each line, but whatever. 
So he, because uh, Mac, who's like, who actually is in uh, the Navy at the moment, like in intelligence, he he knows he's on the Magnum. He's been used by Magnum so many times. He's That's on the whole to, shtick of Magnum yeah. PI. So he, so Magnum sent Rick to you know work Mac instead. Yeah. So they're on Rick's bow, the King Kamehameha, and they're <coughs> they're docked. Because even though uh, uh, Mac is in the Navy, he gets seasick. So he's just like, he's like, hey, thanks for like just letting us fish right off the dock. He's like, no worry, buddy. I get a little queasy, too, when I get that lasagna in my belly, and it's rocking and rolling. It's by visiting Mama Naboli. I, talking about Magnum's inseam, I thought Rick had no pants on. <laughs> he's just wearing his shirt. Because his shorts were so damn short. Yeah. And he, well, it's an inseam somewhere between four and seven and a half inches. That's all I can tell you. And so Rick goes, you're not going to believe this. You know, you know, Magnum, get this. He's, he's telling me I need to look up this guy. And you know, I'm like so tired of Magnum always coming for favors. And that, Matt, he falls right into the trap. How often do you see this in a Magnum episode, Jack, where people are using Magnum's own weaknesses to schmooze over other people? <laughs> I couldn't really tell you, but this is like such a classic moment because Mac wants to be part of this little group. Like he wants to be like in with TC and Rick and Magnum. He always feels like he's a little bit out on the outs and that, oh, Magnum only wants something from him when he, you know, like. Like he only goes to Mac for a favor. Oh, of course it's true. Like they, <laughs> they, they all think that you know Mac is a chump, and you know. So this is a perfect moment, like a perfect character study of the fact that Rick is like the face man of the group. He's the mover. He's the shaker. He's the manipulator. So of course he's the one to sort of trick Mac into agreeing and thinking it's his idea. To help Magnum out. Right. And it helps when you might have a vintage port to offer him. Well, first it starts with some beers. Like, oh, hey, yeah. you guys want some beers? Like, my throat's getting a little parched. You got any salsa chips? Of course I do, buddy. <laughs> it's in the foil. Opened up. Yeah, what the fuck was he eating? Was it a piece of like fried chicken? I don't know what it was. <laughs> It wasn't even in foil. It was he pulled it out of the. It was like a chicken <laughs> finger or something. A chicken McNugget. He's like, here. That's how like low they think of Mac. There's some chicken McNuggets shaped like dinosaurs. <laughs> really? I like that you call them chicken McNuggets. <laughs> so you just call them chicken nuggets. <laughs> I got. I only eat the finer McNuggets. Well, and so, Mac, Mac gets blown up in a few episodes, so it's not. Really oh, <laughs> poor Mac! And then, <laughs> and then he starts dropping. He's like, There's "I don't, I don't want to. I, I don't even know where to start with this this guy, this banister guy that that Magnum wants. You know? Oh, I can help. You know? Because you just give him a couple fucking dinosaur shaped nuggets, big <laughs> nuggets." <laughs> And he's in your palm of your hand. So he's like, oh, I can look it up for you. You know, it's like, wow, that would be great. And you know what? If you do a good job, I might give you a fine wine. That's right. And he's palm of his hand. 
That's right. So Magnum's got to get that wine from Higgins. It's going straight down to the wine cellar again. He's getting caught again. This is the staircase scene I was thinking. This of is for. yeah, the tiniest of shorts. Tiniest. His. This is like what you know. Yeah. This is the ass hanging out. You got some ass cheek hanging out right. of these shorts. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, hot had, I had a set of op. Did you guys have those op like corduroy pants I was talking about? Like the shorts they rode up your nuts. Like when you're in like seventh grade. I'm not a corduroy guy, so you have to talk. Yeah, about I, no, I'm a big yeah, corduroy guy, but inseams change when I was in uh, junior oh, okay. slash high school. Okay. So, All right. well, you need to look up the old OP pants. I will. Fucking, they're so uncomfortable. Yeah, if I can find them in a 32, I'll buy those All right. now. All right. Now I, I know Christmas time is coming around. Hey, can't yeah. believe he has pockets. It's so sure, you know. Jesus Christ. What is he keeping there? A fucking penny? A dime. Only a dime. And he's just like, come on, Higgins. Give me some money. Here, this is more your type, my boy. This swill. And he's just like. Okay, what is this? Like a dollar? Thirty-seven fifty, my boy. Are you fucking and this was I, This was a great fucking scene. This is, tells you about what Magnum is about. He just pulls up like wadded up dollars. He literally pulls out 50 cents. He's like, usually they'd give you 220s. Yeah, and yeah, that'd yeah. Be it. No, he gives exactly 3750 because <laughs> he's so cheap. <laughs> and it's just like, he takes the money. This is how our friend And he mentions this MI6 guy, Bannister. And Higgins like, MI6? Someone say MI6? He's like, yeah, Bannister. You ever heard of this guy? He's like a strategist. A dear boy, he's not a strategist. He's an operative. He's the greatest assassin that MI6 had ever seen. And he had a pension. He was the greatest dressing up in drag. But apparently, you know, that, that, that was his. And I want to point out, this is what is this? Like early 80s, 83, 82. Very progressive as far as uh, yeah. uh, men. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't say this oh. guy's transgender or not, but he likes to dress up like women. Well, I, I do believe that America had warmed up to the whole drag thing from Tom Hanks, Peter Scolari, <laughs> and uh-huh. Bosom Buddies. So it did break buddies. the ice. Yeah, yes. Right. Yeah, it became everyone was fine with it after that. I think that was 81. So he made the cardinal mistake of showing up at an engagement for the queen where a, I think it was Lady Celeste Fitch was there. <laughs> from, <laughs> And they were wearing the same dress. So no matter how great an operative this guy is, he's fucking out for dressing like a woman. All right. Bullshit. And we're saying that, you know, we can get intel on this guy. We have an in, and it's Higgins. And we're cutting back over to Bannister. Well, he drops the whole thing. Because you got to remember, Kate. He was telling him he was just a strategist. He's like, no, he's the fucking best assassin in the world. This guy's dangerous. Oh, okay. You know, so that's why, you know. Yeah. And so we're cutting over to Bannister in another disguise, luring out a guard, shooting him, and then just blowing up around yeah, what was? Yeah, what was this scene, Jack? This kind of confused me. What was going on here? Wait, you're talking about at the uh, the, the construction little, uh, site or whatever? Yeah, yeah, where he goes there to get the... Uh, it's kind of hilarious i mean this one little cow what you doing there little lady she's just like pump 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 the silence pistol kills him but yeah it's because it's a convenient spot i mean i suppose this being the 80s and on hawaii and not you know a place where anyone would really worry about dynamite being stolen for nefarious purposes but yeah she 
there to score some explosives. So oh, I just yeah. think it's really funny that, you know, she pulls up and the guy's like, ah, oh, can I help you with anything? Uh-huh. Pop, pop, pop. Kills him immediately. And then just rips open the the little shed where they keep all the dynamite and uh, has her has her little uh, shopping spree there. So. Yeah, takes whatever she needs. So and of course, the... sh- shoots the guy once. And he immediately drops dead, as you do. Um, any bullet that enters the torso just kills you instantly. Heart shot. Well, this is a master assassin. Maybe, maybe <laughs> like, you saw how the bullet entered. You probably saw, like, the wound on the entrance and everything. What kind of gun was it? <clears throat> oh, God. You're going to make me rewind? I'm, I'm going to make you rewind. <laughs> Jack, you're Jack. That's your... That's that's your lot in life. That's why you're the weapons master. Yeah. yeah. I, I do have to say that it took me until the third time to realize that she was there to get explosives. I thought, <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I, I, had thought to... just, I thought it was just for fun. Like, she's like, I'm going to shoot this guy and then blow up a shed. Just to show how it. evil she yeah. was. Phil, Phil, you're not dumb. I believe I the same thing. I, that's why I had to have fucking Jack explain the scene to me. I like, just like that Phil jumped in to give Jack more time to look up the gun and figure out <laughs> what it that's was. That's called a podcast like, pro. Like, he's in here as the challenger and he's helping yeah like no, i yeah. don't i don't know what to think about Feels this too nice we have to do the of course the play-by-play being on you know the host yeah, of the we're show. yeah we're like we're like uh referees we can't get involved yeah. we're like the guy on dirty dozen george kennedy where he was just like i'm an observer that's right I yeah we are that guy we're yeah we're but we're, we're we're still rooting for people jack like, do you have an answer on that gun yet <laughs> i also like the part about the thing and the guy and then after that, when the, he was a woman, that was cool. That? Yeah. Did you see that part? That was cool. Yeah, That's I remember good that. Um, IMDb has, or IMFDB.org, the place where you go to look up guns, uh, doesn't have an episode for the Jororo kill. But I mean, it's some small little silenced automatic, so it's hard to. I'd have to see. Maybe it shows up later on in a, you know, further on in the. Uh, episode so we'll have to stay tuned <laughs> well, i just need british. a better look at it okay? i love it that's called a tease people that's okay, that's yeah. okay. He, he was british so oh it's a sterling it's a sterling so we cut yeah. to kate she's at the hotel where president george santos is being interviewed she asked she's like Car, you like the fuck? He said, "Well, I saw a pretty sexy Ferrari drive by earlier today. I'd like to get my dick in." And she's like, uh-huh. "Oh!" And then she gets a call from her editor, editor Bannister. And we got got to remember, we know that Bannister is of assassin. She thinks Ban this guy is her her, her uh, contact. Yeah, the one chance she has to do true. Who's going to get her a uh, meeting with Bannister? Yeah, exactly. So this this contact is like Bannister is gonna blow Santos up, giving her the warning, and she's supposed to warn it, but she's like, "No, I'm gonna keep this to myself. I this is a great scoop. This right. can get me back into the game again." She wants to be on cutting edge journalism. She was a war journalist. She's into the danger. She thrives on it. So now Magnum pulls up to the hotel. Oh, you got something, Phil? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I think that this actually shows, there's a couple things about this that shows why writing in this ep- or this show is so much better. I'm not supposed to stick up for Magnum. No, you're not so at all. Better because 
We have an echo where, of course, the first scene you see the assassin create, you know, um, stage a, a, a hit is exploding a car while another car drives by it, right? So as we find out, you know, oh, he's going to blow up this car. It, it be, that becomes your, the MO. So you actually believe what's happening next with this whole setup, which we're going to find out more about. I really like that about that because it made us believe that he was really doing this, like stealing. He does all this trouble to steal these real explosives. That he gets his van set up, and it's just it has that callback from the first scene. So that's, that was really good. That's and a thing, really good call. And also, there's another little slight thing they did on this episode when Magnum unlock. He picks the lock on the uh, wine, wine, wine yeah. and the wine. He uses, you know, then he brings he brings out his lockpick skills yeah, later. Huh. So it's not just like one of those like, oh, he just happens to know how to pick a lock. Like they actually demonstrate that he has that Jesus. skill before he does it. Yeah, so it's, it's not like Kickboxer Three where you show Capybara and then you never do anything yeah. with Capybaras again. Speaking of Magnum, he pulls up to that hotel. He wants to talk to Kate about because he just learned about the whole thing. The strategist is really an operative. Of course, he has to use his swagger to park for free in the lobby. Right. He just parks right... He doesn't even just have a valet. He's like, just leave my car here in front of the There, the There hotel. is a valet there that we need to take note of. He's got a big curly fro of hair, and then he's got, like, some big old beads on, yeah, you know. Like, looks like one of the wild Samoans. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and he's just telling the guy, I'm just going to, like, leave my car here for a minute and go up and to this hotel. No problem. He just gives a little grin, and the guy's like, I can't. This guy's great. Do whatever you want. I'm going to fuck your car while you walk away. <laughs> <laughs> so like you do. Magnum like walks you do. up to the front desk, which is outside. Hold on. Very important question here. Jack, uh, you get left alone with that car. Do you put your butt on it first, <laughs> or you just put your dick right on it first? Four I just to... strip down, oil myself up, and just kind of, like, slide my body around on top of the panels, like the hood. Okay. Um, you know. The hood. That makes sense. Just go for, like, maximum, like, flesh-to-steel contact. I think. Now, do you think mechophiles care about the doors at all, or is it all front and back? Because we don't we fuck around we keep talking about this, we're going to have to fucking review that sick documentary about we might have mechophilia. To. <laughs> we might have to. I don't want to do it. I just noticed something. Remember, we were we were talking about how on the mag the old I'm the afraid. last Magnum we did uh, computer outside mm-hmm. the the hotel the the computer for the hotel is outside. What is up oh, with yeah. the lions leaving oh, their computers out in the rain? You're right. They were predicting the future, like you know, in my past life, you know, a year ago when I worked. <laughs> On good days, I'd go work outside. So they got it. They got it right. But you have like a laptop. These are like Chinese. <laughs> yes. That's like a terminal. <laughs> yeah, they have yeah. towers, monitors, keyboards. And I love, uh, so Magnum's like, hey, uh, I'm looking for Prime Minister George Santos. Is he staying? <laughs> what room is he staying at? Sorry, sir. There's no, there's no name. No, there's, there's, Santos there's no President Santos. <laughs> <in>. <laughs> And then he's like, what what the fuck is a scene? This makes no sense. Because he's got. The guy's just going to tell him. Oh, yeah. yeah, Exactly. But it's Magnum. Of course, (laughs) he believes you would tell him. A little Tom Selleck. But Magnum is not Jessica from Murder She Wrote. Jessica from Murder She Wrote. She would have walked up to that guy and, like, played her little, like, Jessica card. And, like, that guy would have just vomited up any information she wanted. 
Because according we, to Abra, she is an all uh, omnipotent being. Yes, yes we learned she has magical powers. So. This yeah. is Jack understanding how the fucking game works. You see how he did that there? He threw in the glove yeah. on fucking murder. She wrote, I mean, we already did the cross. Oh my God, are you saying he, he's ready for Abra? Huh? Yeah, no, you got to beat know. me first. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, got me yet. Phil, who is already thrown in, yeah. just been like, yeah, this is the better shit. Yeah, so, the hotel guy offers the classic line, computers don't lie, sir. So, he's like, I can't argue with that. That's true. Because this you is can. before AI, where computers lie all the time. Right. right. <laughs> that is definitely where so we're So, he today. leaves. The clerk immediately calls up to, like, the Santos, like, people. Like, hey, this weird guy with a monster. Sexy fuck. Inseam. Woo. But... He's, and I, he's asking about Santo. Oh, I love this because this is actually a scene I got to see again, and I loved it the first time, and the second time, and the third time. Uh, and he's walking out, and he just spots some people in a car on a walkie-talkie, right? And they're talking on their walkies, <clears throat> and he's just like, you know, narrating for the audience. You know, sometimes there's that small whisper in the back of your head, and you just have to kind of ignore it and go on with your life, and maybe pick up, you know, a little pokey pokey bowl. And then sometimes that voice starts yelling at you, and you need to follow. So he does. He does like a U-turn. He goes because it's like the uh, it's like a circle. The the uh, circle drive. Yeah, and he just comes right back. And the guy's like, "Hey, didn't I see you before?" And he's <laughs> like, "Well, I'm looking for something. Do you like fucking little kids? Cocaine? <laughs> Tripping? Oh, I can get all of that for you, man. Oh my you god, like island kids." I have this friend, Frank Lane, who's got this amazing resort. You can get a girl so young, you will think she's fresh out of the womb. And Magda's like, no, 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 my boy. I need some information. And he pulls out his Velcro wallet. Murray's favorite. He, all we had in our notes before was dictation. Velcro here. Velcro here. Velcro again. And that's all he needs to do. He doesn't flash a badge. He flashes the Velcro. And the guy's like, and he's like, you're a cop, dude? I didn't mean any of that shit. I don't know any kids. And he's like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll let that slide. How many of us here had a Velcro oh, wallet at some point? I did. I had one. It was a Pac-Man. Wow. Wallet. Yes. With Velcro. Well, you, of course, because Magnum had one. So everyone's yeah. how, how long? How long do you think you had it? What year, what age? You just got years? rid of it a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> I, I remember. I was like, getting. I was watching Matt Houston, eight years old, and I was pulling the Velcro because I was like a nervous twitch. Jack, no Velcro wall for you. It's. I think I did as a kid, but the the thing is, you have to remember those things fell apart. Like they just there 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 was no structural integrity to wallets like that. They do, they just. Do you remember zips? I don't. I mean. The shoes? Shoes that they were Velcro oh. on the tops and you they're instead of laces. Oh. Yeah. I, I never was... had Velcro shoes. I had those. I've got them on right love, now. Love, my new balance. I, I love that shit. Griff, can you let him hear a little bit of that Velcro? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you have it really? It works. <laughs> so <laughs> Wait, wait. Everybody that's listening, <laughs> hold on a second here. Everybody, everybody... Everybody that's listening thinks you're thinks you're just embellishing, Murray. Like when when, when the Valley I'm wearing off, right now a pair of new balances with Velcro straps. Yeah, it's yeah. the coolest thing. I'm talking I'm rewinding a couple of seconds here because the wow. valet the valet actually says you want an island girl or a Hayole, which is apparently a white person. 
<laughs> Iron girl or a hiale? You can get them both. Yeah. It's Hawaiian slang for white lady. Yeah. So he's like, no, just tell me where this, this Santos guy is. He's like, well, you didn't hear it from me, but on the fourth floor, there might be the guy you're looking for. So Magnum, and while that's going on, the clerk who notices Magnum makes a call. Magnum sneaks up. He, first, he just goes on the elevator right to the fourth floor, and people are like, oh, no, this floor is taken. So, you know, like, like he, he Rolling go- Stones are in town. Sorry, yeah. we have this. Led Zeppelin's fucking somebody with a mud shark right now. Go. <laughs> he goes to uh, three or five. He goes down to three. Three. Goes to the stairway. Up. Like uh, 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 Phil pointed out, he pulls the lock pick out, does the lock. Foreshadowing. It works in this movie. Guys, Come out. What kind of guns do they have, uh, Jack? Oh, I believe one of them, at least one of them has an M16. Yes, he did have an M16. Got that right. And a great perm. And he's, they're like, they busted him. And that's we meet the, uh, like, I don't know what he is, like, he's an FBI, CIA guy named Rustler. Yeah, security chief is what is. Oh, yeah, he had that real stern rat face yeah and kate is like uh you know she's still interviewing the guy she just finished and she's like no i know this guy he's cool don't worry about it and they do it they do like a this is 1982 and they do a background check immediate background check on magnum and find out that he's okay walkie talkie man just in a second yeah they just radioed it in hey uh we got a guy here says his name's magnum he's got a mustache uh inseam we can't even tell you and Magnum's like trying to get through to Kate. He's like, "Look, this guy's fucking an operative. He's not. He's not a strategist. He's dangerous." And she's like, "Look, this could help my fucking career. Just keep it on the down low." He's like, "No, I. You have to tell Santos that he's in danger." She's like, "Just let me get this interview with Bannister, and then I will rat this guy out." Right, and it's coming from a place of such vulnerability that Magnum's like. No, he's kind of pissed off about it, but he's, he's like, really yeah, he's pissed. But doesn't he allow her to go through with it? For I, now, no, he tells her like, "I'm gonna allow you to tell yeah. them." You know, okay. yeah, but that's 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 a little bit later, isn't it? When they go down yeah. to the bar or whatever, it like, could be. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, but, but I mean, isn't this this whole scene is weird to me because I feel like it was a li- this is the only part I didn't like because it was seemed like filler to me, like. This whole like Magnum trying to get to the fourth floor, like I, I just don't understand what was happening. Why? Why yeah. was it so? Why was it so complicated? It was almost like they just needed a, a fight scene and a gun to kind of make it exciting. Yeah, I, I think this is the weakest moment and weakest plot point in the episode yeah. because you needed someone to tie Magnum to the plot. So yeah. you oh, old war correspondent, and then you bring her in. Makes sense that she wants this interview, but the weird tying her into the assassin is what kind of, I don't know, doesn't really work for me. That he's playing her, but she thinks she's playing him. And yeah, I kind of wish that there had been some other way to link the assassin to the whole situation that wasn't so awkwardly handed off i don't know yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. that was the only yeah that was probably the only problem with that is then her connection to banister and how it all tied together was yeah yeah Yeah. so magnum's pissed he needs to get a drink at the uh, king kamehameha club you notice he drives right up to the front door of the club 
Like yeah. it's like literally his car's blocking the door. He fucking owns this town, man. Yeah. And he walks in and he's, you know, talking with I'm, Rick and Go ahead. I'm guessing that's actually like a side like the like the manager's entrance or something. Yeah, because it doesn't... didn't yeah, it didn't look like an entrance, you're right. Yeah. And he's like talking with Rick, and then Mac shows up and he's like, Hey, I found out about that banister guy. He's a cross dressing assassin. And they're like, oh, my God. While, and while he says that, we cut two banisters. The magic of TV. We're cutting over to banister. What? Driving a van to the uh, hotel where uh, Santos is at. Correct. And he's got a bomb in the back of the van, in a, like a right. barrel. And he gets out, pokes a hole in the tire, jet, puts it up on a jack. Property. This isn't how you change a tire. You got to loosen the lug nuts first yeah, before you yeah. put it on the jack. That's so I was right. totally thrown out. I was like, "This is so unbelievable." I almost turned the episode off. Almost, but I stayed because <laughs> I stayed for Jack. That's right. And and then he just takes off on a bike. He padlocks the door. He's basically trying to make it look as suspicious as possible. That's right. And then uh, I, this is where Kate and uh, Magnum are at the bar. Right. The next scene. That's right. right. Yeah. And yeah. he's pissed at her, and rightfully so, because he's like, somebody could die, and you just want to get the scoop on this story. He, he's kind of, especially with Max information, he's come to the realization that he's being used to get closer access to Bannister. His resources are being used to get her interview, and she wasn't upfront about it. These two were about to fuck at the beginning of the episode. Like, when he walked into the Kamehameha in the first scene, and she was just like, TC, Mac, fuck off. You know, right? And he's like, "What are you? Are you gonna film the assassination? Like, what the fuck?" And she's like, "Look, I'm not the villain here. All right, I have a contact with the Jororo front. We can. I will tell them what's happening until after I get my interview with Bannister. Okay, just wait a little bit. Yeah. And he's like, "Fuck no, I won't." He's like, "You better tell them, or I will." And then he walks out. I think she even slaps him or something. Like yeah, that. she slaps him silly. And that's when he's like, what happened to you? And it's that dramatic moment. She kind of realizes that she might have gone too far, but not she can't admit it to herself. Yeah. She's gone so far that even like her role for Bannister was to tell them about the bomb. And she yeah. didn't even do that. She's not even playing yeah. her role for Bannister properly. Yeah, so this whole thing of her getting these con- these calls from Bannister, we all know it's Bannister, it's that same yeah. voice, right? And it's supposedly a contact from the People's Liberation who's tipping her off as to when, when the assassination is going to happen, when it's just Bannister manipulating her. Right. Yeah. So Santos's guards noticed the inconspicuous van. What if we had the greatest crossover all time, and this was Canistro or whatever his name was from Matt Houston? <laughs> And he was also, Castanos was also orchestrating this bomb plot. That would be fucking good. You know, we're at, we're at that, we're beyond the halfway point. This is where in the last episode, the Mount Houston episode, we asked Jack what he was feeling. We already know what Phil's feeling. He's in love with this episode. I don't know what to do with this, Phil. He would have sex with this episode. I love this. I I want to fuck this episode. The Jororo fucking. Even Jororo. It just rolls off the tongue. I know. It's so funny. It sounds like a porno. And this is the first time we get to hear the Jororo being brought up. How did this title come up? I don't know. It's like an Andy Sedaris film. The Jororo kill. It's true. It is. Yeah. Yeah. 
Not so, enough big titty bitches. Santos is uh, the people guarding Santos notice the van. They investigate. They take the lock. The lock isn't even locked on the van door. Yeah, no, it's a suggestion. And then the the guy's like, get a load of this. There's a barrel full of dynamite, but there's no detonator at all. Aren't they on the scene? Like, aren't they in a parked car, like, just five feet away from this van? Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that, that. They're a little farther than that. But, yeah, they, they're within, like, eyes, like, sight. Uh, right. And Magnum is, uh, yeah, Jack, help me out with this. Magnum is rubbing this in Kate's face. Like, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, he they're looking the at time. it. They're about to open it. And, and they figure out, I think this is where it all kind of comes together where they're like, oh, okay, this is actually a distraction. And he's playing us. But yeah, I mean, I, I know I was kind of shitting on her involvement in the plot and whatever, but I think it also, we have to remember, historically ties back to... Early 80s, late 70s, you had a lot of, like, political assassination became big headline news, and you had, you know, these various, the IRA, various liberation fronts here and there. And there was a lot of sort of gray, moral, ethical quandary going on when you had reporters who would, like, go and interview, like, warlord and you know, basically interviewing terrorist organizations or insurgent organizations. And it becomes this really weird moral quandary of like, how close should you as a reporter, you know, like she keeps saying, like, I just need to get the story. I need to get the story. But she's treading this like moral line that gets tighter and tighter and tighter. So I'm, I don't know. I think it's kind of a ham-handed way of doing it, but on the other hand, I, I think it once again plays into the sort of timeliness of the era, the idea of, like, she's this war correspondent who can't actually go to war zones anymore, so yeah. what does she do with her career? That's good. I mean, there's a lot more tension happening uh, in this episode than most uh, of... Uh... Yeah, sorry, Go uh, no, she, go ahead, Phil. Take but, it I mean, she, she, I mean, Kate. The thing about Kate is, she is certain that the assassination is not going to happen until like Monday, right? So because yeah, of the, yeah, the, con the contact. So she's confident, but she's overly confident because she's also greedy at the to the point. Oh yeah, that she, wants the, she wants this story so bad she'll believe anything. And right. She's that, she's right? absolutely that's, that's deluded herself. Works. Absolutely, and that's when you get that really important scene that happens where she realizes what's what's happening I, I she's got the confidence of a nom veteran do you i was in nom i deserve an extra piece of fried chicken like so <laughs> from uh from rick's uh, cooler <laughs> so uh yeah so she's still she's not as evolved as we are so she is pissed off and just storms off it's pissed at magnum all right, cut to Bannister, and he's getting his next disguise ready. The old faithful, the nun disguise. Magnum, meanwhile, he's like, why was the bomb so easy to find? This guy's an expert. They were also trying to figure out why there was no remote device in there. Like, how is he supposed how, there to... There was no detonator. Yeah, yeah. the detonator. is like, how, is the, how are they supposed to detonate it? So he calls Kate to this, like, TV studio. That he just... Okay, 
very much you brought Jack brought up the name Angela Lansbury. Uh, mm. Murder she wrote. Is that the actress or the uh, uh, the character? Jessica Fletcher is a character. Jessica Fletcher. Jessica Fletcher owned that fucking town. Uh, what we learned about Magnum here in Hawaii is he kind of owns this town because he also has a friend in the TV studios. Right. He's got connections everywhere. And, and he has tape on everybody. Oh, my God. I mean, remember, this is pre-internet, so Murray, there's no digital anything. Murray, Everything's literally on tape. I didn't even realize it because before, you know, the first time we record this, we hadn't watched Megaforce yet. <laughs> this is Megaforce fucking headquarters. He's under the scrutiny of Megaforce going on Big Brother cam. That's how we got this tape. So Kate is like, why the fuck am I here? He's like, well, I thought I, I, a tape you'd like to see. This might help you a little. And he, they play an old tape of her and Nam. Same haircut. And it's very point. Yes, it looks exactly the same. It has an H today. <laughs> it's very poignant because what she's saying is she's talking about how the government is just throwing people's lives away in this, this no-win war. And it's like, she's like, it hits her. She's like, I'm like the government. I cared so much about getting what I wanted that I was putting people's lives in danger. And she right. finally breaks down. And it just right. has a for your consideration Emmys moment where she's just hysterically crying. She starts getting all up on Magnum and he points her over to the coffee. He's like, That's what you that that's what you need. Not me. It's coffee. And he's like, I, well, and he's like, finally, she's, she's like, I, you know, I've been an asshole, Magnum. You know, you're right. And he's like, well, I have this other tape of Bannister. I was, I'm trying to find clues. I'm like, why, why was the van so easy to find? And they just play a, a scene where we, just, we alluded to earlier where Bannister went to that, that uh, like, um, party dressed in the same dress as uh, some, the queen. Not the queen, but it was like a lady that was at oh, lady, oh, lady Ashley. Lady Fitch. Celeste Fitch. Celeste Fitch. And uh, uh, she's like, he's like, I'm saying, he's just spitting in the wind. He doesn't know what he's kind of like I am right now. He doesn't know what he's doing. I was gonna say, is he or are you? And she's like, wait, wait, wait. We're playing again, and she turns her head away. I, let me. He's like, shut up. Let me listen. And she's like, oh my god, that because we see uh, Bannister answer a question from a from a guy from the media, or is he? And she's like, that's the voice of the guy that my, my uh, insider. That's, he's fucking, I can't believe Bannister's been playing me this whole time. That's right. So it's like, we got to go, we got to call him immediately. So they call up, of course, we forgot to mention, not only does he like to fuck cars, but he's also a devout Catholic, George Santos. So he mentions, like in the, in the interview she was giving him, how devoted he is to, to his religion. And so when they call the... Because he's supposed to stay at the hotel under guard. Yeah. But he, it's Sunday. He's got to go to services. That's right. Because he's super religious. So he's at this, this church. So they rush to the church. Oh, and we're cutting inside of the church, and we have everybody getting situated. It's a, a very close crowd, of course. Yeah. They have police guard in there and everything. Uh, is Magnum already stationed outside? No, he, they're still coming toward they're it. They're giving to the mask. There. We see the uh, a banister as the nun is at a balcony, and there's a guard like, no, you can't be up here. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Well, what's the gun? You got the gun yet? 
Jack. Okay, look, I'm I'm on freebie here, okay? So I'm like having to deal with an oh, ad, okay? We're you got to deal there. with those ads. Yeah, no, those almost ads are there. fucking us up real oh, bad. Oh, there's another ad I got. Man, <laughs> right. what was I thinking? Of? I was like, oh, I know the perfect way to buy. Don't, oh, Jack, don't bail no, them out. No, Phil, no, don't bail them out. Cause I need to I'm ask saying him. Phil, don't bail them out. Oh, we're oh, bailing them out. Yeah. I need to ask Jack a question. We watched oh, Dirty God. Dozen, and we were confused about the Nazi uh, uh, machine guns they were using. What are those? <laughs> If they're actual Nazi machine guns, then they'd be MP40s. So yeah. I'd have to That's... go back and watch. You know, the Dirty Dozen. I haven't. They seen looked accurate. I played yeah. Castle Wolfenstein, and that was the gun. <laughs> the most accurate of all Thank World you. War II. If you're did playing you... Castle Wolfenstein, then he, obviously, you know. Did, did you guys notice that the nun had a wedding ring on? <laughs> I noticed too an engagement ring wait, and a wait wedding. Wait a minute, ring. is Sasha? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the diamond on that ring? Jesus yeah. is like yeah, I roller. I felt I felt like Phil read that like, on like Sasha Mitchell. It was a little too broy for me. Can you just say it over time, less bro? <laughs> so I'm just getting tired. Forget about the one gun she used to kill the guard. She pulls out out of her crotch a fucking sniper rifle, starts putting it together. What were we talking about and last it's week? It's a Walther PP, not a PPK, because the barrel's a little bit too long. It's is that the James oh. Bond gun? Uh, well, the PPK is the James Bond gun. Okay. The gun she has is the Walther PP, which is a slightly larger version of the the Walther PPK. Interesting. That's so how much of a fucking nerd I am. Is <laughs> at a glance, I can tell the difference between the two. Jack, Jack can tell please. the difference between an inch in size. Yes. Yeah. Very don't quick. send check dick pics because he will be honest. Okay, that's all we're saying. Dick forensic. <laughs> so, so put, uh, he starts putting together the sniper rifle, lines up. This is where uh, Kate and Magnum show up. Rat- Rustler comes out. What are you guys doing here? Like, there's going to be a hit. So they run into the church. Just as the banister's about to shoot, Magnum busts in. So one guy, this guy, this like. Uh, extra that's just playing a guard he he's like people are gonna remember me because he does the most <laughs> ridiculous fucking like spin <laughs> you must be watching it right now no i remember because like the shots he's like magnus like the balcony and then you see this guard like do a backflip like perfect 360 <laughs> oh sorry so so banister (laughs) takes off magnum goes chasing after because he grabs the gun from that guard that got shot yep and then he he Uh. he runs into a nun and he's like show me your dick show me your dick and she's like what no i'm I'm a nun and he's like okay i believe you i've got no dick to show (laughs) yeah and we see another nun up on a ladder just can you make it look like you're working on a window? It's like literally in the middle of a wall, <laughs> standing up there. And he's like, hey, sister. He's like, oh, I'm just working on this. I'm washing the side of the building. Like, oh, I, I'm looking at it right now. They're actually, it looks like she's cleaning like the, the what would you call it? The screen on the window or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Gotta get all and, that cottonwood fuzz off it. And he's like, okay, I, all right. Uh, have you seen it? He's like, I saw somebody run over there. Because so, he sees another nun, like, running on. So he Thank goes, you, sister. And then the class. I'm going to let I'm gonna let Jack take this. Jack, this is his please. Moment. This is the moment. 
nuns don't work on Sundays. <laughs> you see a light bulb literally go off over his head. The narration pops in that beautiful Tom Selleck voice. Nuns don't work on Sunday. And he yep. turns around. And it just so happens up. the nun was starting to pull out a gun, but Magnum yep. whipped it out faster because of that magic inseam. What kind of gun was that, Griff? <laughs> Griff. We just heard it. It was a Walter PP. Walter PP. And he does a great, like, the stuntman does a great fall into the bag, you know, like a yeah. triple Lindy, and then lands. The, the How they set that shot, too, where it's like you just had, uh, like, a half-brick wall there, so it's like yeah. he falls under it. Oh, I was, I was so happy with that shot. So, so now... See, guns, guns don't kill people. Ladders kill people. The ladders there we ladders go. Ladders and more the fall kill. from the ladder. Yeah, ladders yeah. kill more yeah. people than guns. We all know that statistic. Well, it's That's not the, the ladder. From, uh, it's the ladder user. Okay. It's oh, the line from Collateral. Oh, he didn't <laughs> kill the guy. The bullets in the fall killed him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so now we get the wrap up scene. Uh, Meg, uh, he's Meg's got that thirty-seven fifty bottle open up. Him and Kate are drinking some wine. They notice it's kind of shitty, so they're like, "Why don't we go get some some real wine out of that?" Because so, they're at the Robin Masters estate. Yeah. TC and uh, what what is this scene? Rick and TC are like get giggling like schoolboys just listening to a wine tasting. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. And then they're like, and then uh somehow they trigger the tear gas. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and they try to maybe they try to get into the room. I don't remember, but Oh, because they, uh, they're fucking with the intercom and they hit yeah. the tear yeah. gas button. Oh, they're, 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 they're trying to turn it up. And it's actually a really nice. Why? Yeah, this they, is this is the weakest well, scene for me. Why do they want to listen to this I, wine I tasting? Well, you hear Higgins talking about the Chateau de the Chateau de Maurice, eighteen thirty six, which is the bottle sick wine. So it's actually again, it's the wine. They there's a lot of attention to detail, but yeah, pushing the tear gas button was kind of weak. Yeah. And then we see like the ghost we get a little visual of it coming up underneath the door and there's like Magnum and they all just run off giggling. Yeah, this is lungs filled with tear gas and he's This is the point where they should have had Mac and blamed him, like pushed Mac down the stairs and just laughed. I love that. <laughs> holding holding a chicken McNugget. <laughs> Wow. So there you yes. have it, people. Which is better? Matt Houston, Magna P.I., only you can decide. I encourage all of you motherfuckers to go out, watch the Gerardo kill, watch Matt Houston's Whose Party Is It Anyway. Also, watch uh, what was – we've done some other Magnum P.I.s. Go look at our other Tippy Tap episodes. I can't remember titles. Yeah, uh, I don't also remember the title of the other Matt Houston episode we did like uh, probably four weeks ago. Definitely go watch that. The Chuck Connors conspiracy. Ooh, Chuck Connors in that, that episode. That was called Get <laughs> Watch these episodes. Magnum, you'll have to watch with ads, as Jack has told us about in this episode. Uh, if, if you look at it on Amazon, I forget where it's at for free. Matt Houston, watch Magnum if you're smart enough. No, oh, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Put a disclaimer on it. Yeah. Um, and then Matt Houston, you can just find on YouTube. You can find it in Spanish, too. I ended up watching this episode in Spanish, the Matt Houston we did last week in Spanish, and I was watching that for a minute, and I was like, oh, this is a weird episode. He's, he's huge in Mexico, Matt Houston. It wasn't until Matt's line were in Spanish where I was like, okay, 
I gotta find the right episode. So uh, I want to thank uh, Mr. our weapons master Jack Butler. Uh, we'll figure out a position for Phil. He's our bartender, Phil DeGlass. Yeah, bar, he's absolutely bar, the mixologist. 100%. Yeah, mixologist. The bar extraordinaire, the mix master of uh, uh, Frank Furter. I'm, I'm also a gintiologist, remember. Oh, that's true. Right. And remember, you didn't guys, have to remind us of that one. Win or lose, you're both our champions. And I hope there's not going to be any hard feelings. I want to keep, you know, this is a friendly competition. Well, it'll be a lot easier for the, the loser, or the winner, rather, because their loser, their opponent, will never be seen again. Yeah, uh, he's going to be uh, living the high life of acid bath. Yeah, just vapors. <laughs> True life form. But that's out of our hands. It's in your hands. Yeah. So we're going to count the first week uh, listens of each show to finally decide yeah. who is the true champion of the first ever Golden Globus Theater Tippy Tap crossover challenge. Uh, we started this out with a whole debate and everything. So we'll give a final comment to each uh, participant here. We just did the Magnum episode. So we got to let uh, Phil go first. The champion gets to go last. Phil, do you have any uh, final remarks here? Yeah, just, uh, you know, may the best man win, and that is Matt Houston. Very Switzerland. Of, oh, no, wait. No, about. That, that's the ball. <laughs> I heard may the best man win, and then yeah. I stopped thinking. My brain <laughs> turned off. Yeah, Griff is yeah. obviously going to vote for Matt Houston. Ah. <laughs> uh... I like we a can't dumb say. show. We're, uh, we're observers. I, uh, I like how Phil sold it to me. He was like, yeah, this is the dumb man show. You don't pay attention <laughs> and you get the story. Magnum, I, I through, through going over this with... Uh, it was a lot easier doing Matt Houston notes. I will say <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you might be onto something. And, uh, you know, I really realized how many details I missed in the Magnum episode. So I'm really appreciating Matt Houston in a whole new way. So, and I already loved that fucking first episode. So, all right, Jack, your turn. Final comments about, uh, well, our little debate here. All I got to say is when you think of iconic, mustachioed television stars from the early 80s, there's only one guy you think about, and it's not Matt Houston, okay? It's Magnum fucking P.I. That well, seals it for me. Boom. There you have it. Golden Globies. The gauntlet has been thrown. It's up to you now. Democracy will run wild all over if our Twitter asses. Anybody has the balls enough to challenge these two titans, you let me know. We can set that up. Oh, my God. We will set what? that the fuck up. These guys up. don't fucking play, all right? Bring it. We want it. We'll be here as arbiters of truth and justice. <laughs> That's our job. And until that day... Until the next time, we're listening.